Our Holy Father in heaven, thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to your feet and fellowship with you. We ask, Father, that you would grant to us the benefit and the privilege of your presence with us. You have said in your word that if anyone asks for the Holy Spirit, you will give. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, now, please, grant us of your Spirit. Without him, we can do nothing but pray, Father, that you would grant us understanding of your word as we go through it. And also, Lord, I pray for myself, grant me utterance, Lord. Grant me your word that I may speak it, that we all who are listening shall be lifted up to heavenly places. We pray, Father that you help us to rightly divide the word of truth and educate us, correct us, reprove us that we may be thoroughly furnished as perfect men unto all good works. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage April 6 Misplaced Love He sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen. Psalm Chapter 105, verse 26. Aaron was a man of amiable disposition, whom God selected to stand with Moses and speak for him. God might have chosen Aaron as leader, but he who is acquainted with hearts, who understands character, knew that Aaron was yielding and lacked moral courage to stand in defense of the right under all circumstances, irrespective of consequences. Aaron's desire to have the goodwill of the people sometimes led him to commit great wrongs. The same lack of firmness for the right in his family resulted in the death of two of his sons. Nadab and Abihu failed to reverence the command of God to offer sacred fire upon their censers with the incense before him. Here is seen the result of loose discipline. As these sons of Aaron had not been educated to respect and reverence the commands of their father, as they disregarded parental authority, they did not realize the necessity of explicitly following the requirements of God. Contrary to God's express direction, they dishonored him by offering common instead of sacred fire. God visited them with his wrath. Fire went forth from his presence and destroyed them. Aaron bore his severe affliction with patience and humble submission. Sorrow and keen agony wrung his soul. He was convicted of his neglect of duty. He was priest of the Most High God to make atonement for the sins of the people. He was priest of his household, yet he had been inclined to pass over the folly of his children. He had neglected his duty to train and educate them to obedience, self-denial and reverence for parental authority. Through feelings of misplaced indulgence, he failed to mold their characters with high reverence for eternal things. Aaron did not see, any more than many Christian parents now see, that his misplaced love and the indulgence of his children in wrong was preparing them for the certain displeasure of God. 
his gentle remonstrance without a firm exercise of parental restraint and his imprudent tenderness towards his sons were cruelty in the extreme. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Misplaced Love. We looked before at the story of Nadab and Abihu and we are still on it now but we are going to look at what it was that was the fault with them, what made them the way they were and it is the bad parenting of Aaron. So our devotion today is going to be about parenting and leadership. If we want to learn what it is to be a good parent, what it means to be the best of leaders, there is no other place you can find instruction for that than in the word of God. For God himself is the best of parents and the best of leaders. In being a parent, first of all, we need to understand that even in being a leader, the same thing applies. As a parent, as a leader, love ought to be the foundation of our government because that is the foundation of God's government. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. That is the foundation of God's government. If we understand what love does and what love is, then springing out of love, our actions will be showing that we are good parents and good leaders. Love is what made Jesus to come and die on this world in this world the bible tells us in john 3:16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life what is love it means to give to give for what purpose to give us the thing that will help us get eternal life that is how God showed his love towards us. The Bible tells us for God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We are also told he loved him because he first loved us. And how did he show his love? By dying on the cross. Why did he die? So that we can have eternal life. That is love. And what is life eternal? John 17 verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. What does it mean to know God? 1 John chapter 2 verse 3 says, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Whosoever saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So this is how love is shown. Love is shown by giving life. That is what the end of love is. Anything you do that is not going to promote eternal life in anybody, you don't love that person. And how do we know that we have eternal life? It's when we know God. And how do we know that we know God? 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Anyone who keeps his commandments, that's how we know that you love God. And that's how you know that you even love yourself. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 tells us this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Romans chapter 13 re reading from verse 8 says, Oh no man nothing but than to love because love is the fulfillment of the law. That's verse, it, it, it goes on to explain the, the commandment that says thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery and if there is any other commandment it is all briefly summarized in this love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love worketh no ill. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Parenting and leadership should have the foundation of love. So how does God show love to us? He sent his son to die. And how does he want us to have life? By keeping his commandments. And this is how God wants us to grow into himself. Because the only way we can have that life is to know him and keep his commandments. So how does God parent and instruct and, and train us so that we can we are his children? How does he train us so that we can be what he wants us to be and have what he wants us to have, which is eternal life? The first thing about training is instruction. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 8 and most of the of the, of the Bible is filled with instruction. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. And over and over again in the book of Proverbs, you, still, you hear the Lord saying, Listen to my instruction. The first way to parent and to be a leader as in God's perspective is to give wise counsel. To give instruction that leads to life. Not instruction that would take life from you how do we know that you are giving life by leading somebody to keep the commandments anything that we do that takes away life means that we are leading someone into a direction where they are not helped or assisted in keeping the commandments of god because that is what leads to eternal life and i'm not the one saying this we read we just heard it in the bible now hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments and this is life eternal that they might know the the only true god and jesus is going to tell some people i never knew you depart from me ye that walk iniquity in other words the knowledge of god is connected to what true education is remember and it's connected to the keeping of the commandments of god so another thing the lord does is correction correction means that when somebody makes a mistake you ought to tell them where they went wrong and we are looking at how Aaron was not a good parent. These are the things that Aaron may have done or not done. He lacked in some areas. And we humbly have to go through this topic because we may be in such situations and it looks as if everything is all easy, but we have to have the character of Christ in order for us to execute what the Lord is telling us to do. It's one thing to say it is another thing to do it. In Job chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Behold, Happy is the man whom God corrected, therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. So the Lord corrects. Also, in the dealing of the Lord is mixed with tenderness and mercy. Psalms chapter 103, reading from verse 8, says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. Neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. So the Lord is tender and merciful towards his children and parents are to be like that but then there is this other part of god and this is where we need to be as balanced as the lord is the lord is not an extremist he is not extreme in one point and neglecting the other as much as the lord instructs corrects directs educates as much as the lord is tender in his mercies 
there is still the other part of the Lord that displays his love, his deep love, and that is in his chastisements and afflictions. When the Lord was talking about Solomon and how he was going to train him as his child, hear what the Lord said in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, reading verse 14 and 15. He said about Solomon, I will be his father and he shall be my son. And listen now, hear what he says about the father-son relationship. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, who I put away before thee. This was God talking to David and assuring him just when David was going to die, he was assuring him not to worry that he was going to take care of Solomon. And look at the way the Lord said he would take care of him. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. Love is shown in chastisement. And this is what Aaron lacked. He lacked the ability to restrain his children and to chastise them. He indulged them and in indulging them, he spoiled them. Now, whatever the parent and uh, instills on his child, God says in his word that if you have not loved the man who you see, how can you love God whom you have not seen? The way we treat our fellow men is an index of how we will treat God. The parent to the child is supposed to be as God to the child and the parent is supposed to teach the child how to relate with himself as though he was relating to God and in doing that when the child is now given over to God as his own father when he has gotten older and is able to take care of himself like Nadab and Abihu and is answerable to God, he is going to have the same regard he had for his father. He will have that same regard for God if the parent does not teach the child how to behave in the presence of the Lord and also the right characters. The child is going to display that character on others. The Lord says in the book of Revelation 3 verse 19 how he shows his love. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. In Hebrews 12 reading from verse 5 again we read concerning how the Lord shows his love. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, that's the parents, verily, for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, that is God, do his, does it for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless. Afterward, it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Amen. So why does the Lord afflict? Why does the Lord chastise? That it may bring forth the peaceable fruit of holiness. And we are copying the Lord. If you want to be a parent, you cannot do it better than the Lord. You can't do it better than God if you think that the ways of the Lord is not love and the ways of the Lord are not good. Then you want to try a different way and it won't work. 
and it is arrogant very arrogant of the world today who looks at the way god's dealings are and feel that they know better than him why does god do this for his children psalm 119 verse 67 david is testifying to the goodness of the lord and how his methods work his methods of parenting and his method of leadership how how is it we have seen in tenderness in love mercy and in instructing in correcting in rebuking and also in chastisement what is the benefit of chastisement david is giving his own testimony psalm 119 verse 67 he said before i was afflicted i went astray but now have i kept thy word verse 71 it is good for me that i have been afflicted that i might learn thy statutes verse 75 i know o lord that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness has afflicted me amen here is a faithful son david testifying to the goodness of the lord in chastisements he does not hate the chastisement the bible says to us despise not the chastening of the lord and we are not to despise it because we know he is doing it because he loves us and he's trying to give us life and he's trying to correct us and help us not to go in the wrong direction that is why the lord chastises and does it work yes it works in the book of proverbs 20 verse 10 we are told why the chastisement works it says the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil so do stripes the inward parts of the belly wow so this is some science here in the bible the blueness of a wound referring to where the white blood cells will come to a wound and cleanse it and just as that blueness of the wound it looks bad but yet it is doing a good thing and that's why i said even so stripes though it feels bad it it cleanses the inward parts of the belly in other words it goes deep into the body and cleanses all the evil the bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child but the rod of correction will drive it far from him proverbs 22 verse 15 and that is what the stripes does another example of how this the effectiveness of affliction in god's terms is in, is in the story of the man called king manasseh king manasseh as far as i can see by far without any competition is the most wicked king that lived as far as acts of wickedness go is it in slaying the bible said that he slew people from one end of jerusalem to another filled it with blood he made his children to pass through the fire he passed practice all kinds of witchcraft sorcery sodomy and all kinds of evil Manasseh did it. He built altars for every god in the temple of the Lord and destroyed all God's own articles. He removed them, destroyed some, to the point that when the next king came, they had to go into the they had to start going to the, through the rubble to find the law of God. That is Josiah. He had to go through the rubble before they even found something called the law. That's how bad Manasseh was. Now hear what the Lord did to him. Second Chronicles chapter 33 verse 10 says, And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns, and bound him with fetters, and carried him to Babylon. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and prayed unto him. And he was entreated of him, and heard his supplication, and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord he was God, 
Now, after this, look at the transformation it wrought in Manasseh's life. After he passed through the affliction, by the way, that kind of affliction he went to in the Assyrian, uh, he went through in the Assyrian prison was really nasty. They chained him, put hooks on his nose, dragged him with the hooks like an animal, and they really dealt with him. The affliction is nothing compared to what any parent will do to their child, but it was effective to correct Manasseh. And even the children of Israel, 70 years of captivity in Babylon, by the time they came back, we are told that they were effectually cured of idolatry. Of idolatry. That is the effectiveness of chastisement. And as for Manasseh, now that he came back, the Bible tells us, 2 Chronicles 33 verse, 13, verse 14, it says, Now after this, that's after the Lord heard his prayers, he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gates and compassed about Ophel and raised it up a very great height, and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah. And he took away the strange gods. He's cured. He took away the strange gods. Affliction has cured him. And the idol out of the house of the Lord. I told you, he put idols in God's house. And all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord, and in Jerusalem, and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord. I told you he broke it down before. And sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thanks offerings. And commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Wow. That is the work of affliction. And this is what many parents are not doing to their children. And this is what Aaron did not do to his children Nadab and Abihu. In the training of children by parents, the Bible is clear in its instructions. The same way God does with us, God is saying we should do with our children. Ephesians 6 verse 4, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So what are we supposed to do for, your, for the children? Admonish them, nurture them, teach them. Just simply tell them what the Lord says and be an example to them. While you tell them, you also show them an example of what you are saying. You don't tell them, don't watch movies and you are watching it. You don't tell them, don't watch cartoons and you are watching it. You don't tell them that they should keep, that they should do something right and you, you are encouraging them to do wrong in another direction. That is bad parenting. Another instruction from the Lord, Colossians 3 verse 21, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. So don't discourage your children. Instead, encourage them to do right. And we have said before, but the fact is that as you try to admonish, depending on the kind of child you have, if you have a child that has a very good temperament and is very obedient, you may not even need to get to using the rod on that child. But the Bible tells us in Proverbs 22 verse 15 that generally foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it from him. And we were told in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, when we were reading verse 8, the God, God expects that there is no child that will not go through chastening. And that's why it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8, If you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. So God is expecting that parents should chastise their children. And when we say chastisement, some may want to say, oh, it's not referring to using the rod to flog the child. But let's keep going and you will understand what that means. Proverbs 28 verse 23 says, He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. 
The parents who always want to be in the good books of their children, who don't want their children to get offended with them, who want to give in to all the demands of their children, indulge them. You think you are loving them, but that is the worst cruelty you are doing for them. For God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What are you doing to that child when you permit the child in their wrong course? Well, may we ask you the question that Moses asked Aaron. What did these children do to you that you do this to them? That was what Moses asked Aaron when Aaron allowed the children of Israel to go into idolatry. Say, what did they do to you that you have done this kind of thing to them and you allow this kind of parents the questions need to be asked to you what did your children do to you that you allow them to continue in a course of evil are you doing them any good no you are not you need to understand that he that rebuketh a man they may hate you for now but afterward the bible says he shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. How many children are there who they felt they hated their parents when they were younger because they felt their parents were too harsh and strict on them. But as they have gotten older, they began, they begin to appreciate and see why the parents did what they did. You don't need to wait for your child to understand you. You don't need to wait to, for them to um, say that you are a good parent. Many parents want to hear their children saying, I love you or say, uh, daddy, my, daddy is, my daddy is a good daddy or my mom is good. And then that's what they are, they are getting a kick out of that. They are competing with themselves. Mommy wants the children to love her more than they love the father. The father too doing the same thing. All of them indulging the child. Is that how to show love? That is the worst cruelty. Cruelty in the extreme is what it's called. That's why the Bible says rebuke that child. And you will find more favor than he that is flattering with gifts and with the tongue. Proverbs 13 verse 24 says, He that spared his rod hated his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So, you can see that the word rod is well combined with chastisement. He that spared his rod hated his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. So, what is this chastening with the rod? Well, some people want to say it is correction and all of that. It is not correction. It is exactly as you read. It means to beat, to flog, just as the Lord afflicts. Parents are to afflict their children. Why? We read it in Proverbs 23. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod. It didn't say chastise now. So the Bible is very clear. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. This is the love in it. You may claim you love your child, but yet if you are not doing what you ought to do, to do what people will call the dirty job, to give a street jacket to the child, and you claim to love them, and you permit them to continue a wrong course of action, you don't love them. That is misplaced love. The kind of love that will invite the wrath of God in the future. And that child that you are protecting, that you have refused to chastise, that means you are preparing the child to be chastised by God. And when the child brings that kind of bad character that you have refused to correct, if they bring that character to God, then you are inviting the wrath of God on that child. And when the when Lord deals with your child, it is not going to be something that you like. As it was for Nadab and Abihu, they lost their lives because of their father's neglect, because of their father's indulgence. He, he is responsible for the loss of those children because he was the one who allowed them to be what they are. The Bible says, Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 23 verse 14. Proverbs 19 verse 18 says, Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Bible has already told us he will not die. He will not die. Even if he's crying, don't let your, 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 your mind be softened and feel like, oh, I don't want to flog them again because they are crying. 
leave it. You know why you're doing what you're doing. It's out of love. You want to correct them. You know that if they continue this action, if there's no consequence for it, they will perish. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes 8, I think reading from verse 11, we are told, Because sentence against an evil matter is not executed speedily, therefore the hearts of men is fully set in them to do evil. So why do children continue in a course that is not good when there is no sentence against their evil work their heart will be fully set in them to do evil if you are not chastising them for iniquity the lord himself said he would chastise solomon if he commits iniquity i will chastise him that's what the lord said and that is how to parent if the child commits the iniquity of course you start with your instruction you go with correction you go with warnings and then you admonish and then you correct but when it gets to a level where you have said it over and over and there's a repetitive defiance and there's disobedience that is repetitive then the rod has to come in and it should be in such a way that the bible has said here that you should not spare for the crying we read in conflict and courage page 102 paragraph 2 aaron was a man of amiable disposition and so are many parents today whom god selected to stand with moses and speak for him god might have chosen aaron as a leader but he who is acquainted with hearts who understands character knew that aaron was yielding and lacked moral courage to stand in defense of the right under all circumstances irrespective of consequences aaron's desire to have the goodwill of the people sometimes led him to commit great wrongs the same lack of firmness for the right in his family resulted in the death of of two of his sons what did Aaron lack? He lacked moral courage. He loved the praise of men. He loved his children to call him good daddy. And then he was indulgent. These were his faults. And it is, is it your fault? We have to correct ourselves. He neglected his duty to train and educate them to obedience, self-denial and reverence for parental authority. Through feelings of misplaced indulgence, he failed to mold their characters with high reverence for eternal things so this is what we need to take care of loose discipline of aaron led to the death of his children since his children were not trained to respect parental authority they when you say something to the child they feel they can do whatever they like because aaron will tell them something he will tell them to do something they will do what they like and there was no consequence and then in their dealing with God, they did the same thing and they didn't know that that's not the way to do things. And the Lord dealt with them because of Aaron's disposition to just be loved. He loved being loved. And even as a leader, we see the same flaw in him. And we have many examples of bad parenting around us today. The world has become wiser than God in their eyes. And now they see God's way as evil. And whenever you talk about chastisement, in some countries it is even banned. They call it they, they, they call it by names that make it look as if they are more righteous than God whereas they practice deep cruelty and then they feel that they will sit on the on the judgment seat and say that the ways of the Lord are not good what is love if it is not to lead people in the way of righteousness and when we permit people to go in the course of evil feeling like to correct them and to chastise is a bad thing then are we doing well to the people but we have the police around us why do we have the police 
and why do they use force? Why do they go through enforcement? Is it not to bring law about law and order? If we have the police in the society, shouldn't the parent in the home also bring law and order in his home? It is not because the parents do, do, doesn't do the job in the house that we need police in the society. If, uh, if the parents will do their job very well in the home, then we may not have the great crimes that we see children committing that will now need the police to come and deal with them worse than what the parents would have done if they had taken care of their children in the home. It is Satan who is behind this, this idea of making people think that it is wrong to use the rod on children. The bad examples we have of parenting today is killing children. I have seen parents feed their children to death, giving them food till they are so obese that they can't even come out of their bed and they stay in that bed and get sick and die. And whenever the child requests for something that the parent knows is killing the child, they will go and buy it for the child and give the child. What kind of parent is that? You see, and then the parent said, I love him, that's why. How many times do we see these things around us? It's all over. Parents who are misplacing their love, showing the, claiming to love the child, whereas they are just getting a kick out of somebody being happy with them. And because of that, they want somebody who will always be around them telling them how good they are. And they have changed their child into an object to just feed their own ego to make them feel like they're good so they have to keep giving the child whatever they want so that they can keep hearing what they want to hear and they call that love it is selfishness selfishness is when you are giving the child whatever the child likes when you know very well that's going to kill that child is you know very well it's not good for the child and yet you are doing it because you want them to call you a good name indulgence giving in to every child's unreasonable demands that's what many parents are doing today and they are also ref refusing to require obedience so you meet children today some of them don't even know how to greet they pass by and the the parents haven't taught them they wake up in the morning they walk by their parents they don't even greet these are things that are permitted tolerating rudeness and disobedience in children and uh, leaving them to grow without instruction and this is the kind of parent and leader Aaron was. Remember the issue of Aaron practicing his leadership on the children of Israel and how he wanted them to love him? Look at the results of it when we read from Testimonies Volume 3, page 300. It says, Aaron influenced the children of Israel to go to greater lengths in idolatry than had entered their minds. They were no longer troubled lest the burning glory like flaming fire upon the mount had consumed their leader. They thought they had a general who just suited them, and they were ready to do anything that he suggested. They sacrificed to their golden god. They offered peace offerings and gave themselves up to pleasure, rioting, and drunkenness. They were then decided in their own minds that it was not because they were wrong that they had so much trouble in the wilderness. But the difficulty, after all, was with their leader, that's Moses. He was not the right kind of man. He was too unyielding and kept their sins continually before them, warning, reproving, and threatening them with God's displeasure. Wow. <laughs> A new order of things had come, and they were pleased with Aaron and pleased with themselves. They thought, if Moses had only been as amiable and mild as Aaron, what peace and harmony would have prevailed in the camp of Israel? They cared not now whether Moses ever came down from the mount or not. Now Moses came down. When Moses saw the idolatry of Israel and his indignation was so aroused at their shameful forgetfulness, even now the people were not, they didn't know who loved them. Look at what happened here. 
he says, and their shameful forgetfulness of God that he threw down the tables of stone and broke them, Aaron stood meekly by, bearing the censure of Moses with commendable patience. The people were charmed with Aaron's lovely spirit and were disgusted with the rashness of Moses. But God seeth not as man sees. He condemns not the ardor and indignation of Moses against the base apostasy of Israel. This was the Moses who prayed for them. This was the Moses who really loved them. Aaron, I could say, did not love these people. And that's why Moses asked them. Moses asked him, What did these people do unto you that you would cause them to do this? If you really love them, why would you allow them to do this knowing very well that this particular act is going to bring about their ruin and destruction? But here is the one who loves. Yes, he's rash at this time. He broke the tables of stones. Yes, at this time he is angry. But he's angry with cause, with a very good cause. The Lord in heaven was even more angry than Moses. Were it not to be for Moses, the Lord would have destroyed them. And they were thinking that the person who loved them was Aaron. But who were they despising when they were despising Moses? It was God. And children who despise the parents who they think are so harsh. And when you go to another child, uh, children go to another parent, another of their friend's home, and they see how yielding their parents are. They are wishing, hey, you are enjoying in your house. Ah, your parents are just yielding. They don't even flog you. I wish my parents were like this. What are they wishing for? Be careful what you wish for. When you have that yielding parents, it will destroy you. Now, how does... What does the Bible say about this character of Aaron? Luke 6 verse 26. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. God is not in support of populist leadership. He's not interested in populism. and Where where you just ask the people, what do you want? And then they will say, this is what we want. And you give them whatever they want. And you say, you are a good leader. That's not the kind of leader that we ought to be. We learned about Moses when we read in Conflict and Courage, page 99, paragraph 2. He has learned from experience that in order to have an influence with the people, he must first have power with God. Parents need to learn this lesson. In order for you to have influence with your children, you must first have power with God. Moses had tried this method of Aaron in the past. It did not work. He wanted to be the people's person. And when he saw an Egyptian killing an Israelite, he went and slew the Egyptian thinking that he would have influence over the people by doing that. But how did it turn out? It turned out to be a disaster. He had to run away. And now Moses had learned that if you must have power with the people, influence with the people, it starts with you having influence with God. If you cannot please God, if you cannot be on the Lord's side, then forget about whatever influence you have on the people. It will not stand. Moses had learned what Aaron did not learn. I'm continuing now from Testimonies Volume 3, page 300. It says, The true general then takes his position for God. He has come direct from the presence of the Lord, where he pleaded with him to turn away his wrath from his erring people. Now he has another work to do. As God's minister, to vindicate his honor before the people and let them see, see, see that sin is sin and righteousness is righteousness. He has a work to do to counteract the terrible influence of Aaron. Then Moses stood in the gate, and of you we know the story. He told who is on the Lord's side, and then he told all the Levites who, who did not participate in that uh, uh, idolatry to go and slay their own brother. Three thousand were slain in that day. And many, we may look at these things today and say, what kind of behavior is this of Moses? But this is the true consecration. And we read here. Here, Moses defines genuine consecration as obedience to God. 
to stand in, in vindication of the right and to show a readiness to carry out the purpose of God in the most unpleasant duties, showing that the claims of God are higher than the claims of friends or the lives of the nearest relatives. The sons of Levi consecrated themselves to God to execute his justice against crime and sin. End of quote. This is what it means to be consecrated. It was after this act of the children of Levi that God set them apart to be the ones that will serve him continually in the temple. Because they consecrated themselves to God by what? By doing what the Lord wanted them to do, even if it was the dirty job. To show that the claims of God above on us is higher than the claims of our children and our relatives and our friends. Regardless of what the child requires, regardless of what the child is pleading for, the claims of God upon you, parent, the claims of God upon the leaders is higher than the claims of men upon you. And we are supposed to do what the Lord says and not what the people says the true leader was the one moses who helped the people those who stand in defense of honor this is an encouragement to parents now parents who are doing the right thing and it looks as if your children don't love you and you know you are doing right the lord encourages you those who stand in defense of the honor of god and maintain the purity of truth at any cost will have manifold trials as did our savior in the wilderness of temptation while those who have yielding temperaments, who have not courage to condemn wrong but keep silent when their influence is needed to stand in defense of the right against any pressure, may avoid many heartaches and escape many perplexities, they will also lose a very rich reward if not their own souls. Those who are in harmony with God and who through faith in Him receive strength to resist wrong and stand in defense of the right will always have severe conflicts and will frequently have to stand almost alone. But precious victories will be theirs while they make God their dependence. His grace will be their strength, their moral sensibility will be keen and clear, and their moral powers will be able to withstand wrong influences. Their integrity, like that of Moses, will be of the purest character. End of quote. You see, when the chips were down, Aaron was nowhere to be found. It was still Moses who they considered too strict, and they said he was too unyielding, always reproving, correcting, warning, and threatening them with God's word. It was still him who they did not like that saved their lives. And so it is with those parents who are properly instructing, educating and chastising their children. They may not love the chastisement, they may not love the restraint, but be encouraged parents, you will have a rich reward. And if you have not been doing what you're supposed to do at the time when there is hope, because remember, it says chasing thy son when there is hope. There comes a stage in the child's life where you cannot just take a cane and start to flog the child. No, when they have grown to a point where you understand that it is undignified for them to get anything like that, then you have to desist from doing that. And that's why the Bible tells us there's a time for it. It says, while there is hope. There's a time when there's no hope that chastisement will work. There's a time when chastisement will be looked frowned upon. The children will look at you as disrespecting them. That's not the time to chastise them. When you could have done it was from their babyhood, from their infancy. They are to be corrected. They are to be chastised. Children can push you to the wall, even as babies. They know, they understand what you are saying. You are telling them, don't do this, don't do that. Yet you see that they will be laughing and doing as if they are not understanding what you are saying. But they are. You have to correct them in the mildest way you can for their level and chastise them for their level. Because when the chips are down, 
you will still be the go-to person, the one who they know they can trust, just like Moses. The Israelites thought Aaron loved them, but it was Moses who really loved them, and so also, children may think that the parent who loves them is the one who gives in to their every demand, but when they get older, they will realize that it is the Moses of the home that loves them and wished them all the best. Though they didn't like Moses, the whole kingdom of Israel is indebted to this strict, rigid, holy, and faithful man called Moses, because God would have wiped them all out if they were not if it were not to be for his faithfulness and his intercession for them. Parents, this is a lesson for us. Let us be careful not to be indulgent and amiable like Aaron and love the praise of men. Let us be faithful in chastising and restraining our children. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, please give us the strength. Some of us, we struggle to do this thing. We see our children and we find it hard to do what we ought to do in correcting in chastising and reproving them. We think it is not a good work. We see it as a dirty job to do. It's not, in, it's not congenial to our taste. Lord, please help us to walk by faith, to do what you have asked us to do regardless of how we feel about it, that we may show our love to our children in the way you have asked us to do it. Help us to know when to do this and pray for the children of the parents who are listening now that you give them the minds to listen to the instruction of their parents that they may not even need any affliction but that they will be obedient children listening and following the instruction of God as given to them by their parents thank you Lord for hearing our prayers forgive us for our amiability forgive us Lord for being harsh when we should have been mild forgive us Lord for being amiable when we should have been strict and firm and chastised Help us, Lord, to have a balanced character and be balanced parents. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.